0: Thank you to Pastor David who read uh, God's Word to us uh, this morning uh, while he's on holiday. So that's fantastic, isn't it? It's great to be with you today. I'm Lou, one of the pastors here. It's fantastic to be here on this um, just early part of the New Year. hope you had a great Christmas and a joyful New Year. It's great to be back together uh, again, isn't it, on a Sunday, worshipping God with one another. Well, you might be aware that we've been going through this journey through the gospel according to Luke and uh, so far we've gone through the first 11 chapters of this beautiful book and uh, now we're starting a nine-week series Uh, we're looking at chapters 12 to 14 uh, from Luke over that period of time and we've uh, called this section faith under pressure you know what are the things you know that come into our lives that put pressure and stress on our faith in God You know, there's so much in everyday life actually that just tries to attack us and tries to really grind down our faith, doesn't it? Well, at least that's how I feel sometimes. I'm not sure about you. And today we're going to be looking at the first 12 verses from chapter 12 of Luke and we've called this sermon Faith Amidst Opposition. Let's pray. Open our hearts, Lord, to the very wonder of your word and the truth of your word. Give us a real hunger to love your word more and to live it out in our lives. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen what a wonderful and joyful time you know Christmas and the new year you know has been it it is each year certainly for most people isn't it you know people seem to be so happy uh, during that time they're eating and drinking with friends uh children are, are getting gifts and it's just so much joy going around you know but after Christmas and then then after the new year and and maybe after you come back from holidays, then, you know, you've got to get back into the normal grind of life. And the problems that were there before Christmas, they're still there. And uh, new ones come along as well. You know, and that joy that you had, um, well, it doesn't go away, I don't think. Um, but it changes. Uh, we still have joy, but... but we have that joy in the complexity of everyday life. Well, that's, that's a thought for me anyway. <laughs> now, let's get into our passage. But before we do look at these verses, I want us to look at it in context. And so we need to go back uh, to really understand these verses. You've got to go back to the previous section that's from Luke 11:37 37 to 54. Actually, we didn't do a sermon on this section. So let me explain it to you. Uh, a little bit now, until now the Pharisees uh, they'd known and heard of Jesus They didn't like what he was saying but it's like they were just taking sort of glancing blows at him every now and again but here in this section Jesus comes in contact with them very directly he goes and eats with them in one of the Pharisees own homes and he challenges them directly jesus teaching is the polar opposite of these guys jesus confronts them head on and they don't like it jesus says you know these guys they're pretty selective about how they use the old testament scripture verse 42 you're meticulous about tithing herbs from your garden isn't that wonderful but when it comes to justice when it comes to loving god well that's a different story altogether you don't do that do you he said that they were like a cup a beautiful cup looks fantastic on the outside all beautiful polished and clean but on the inside on the inside that's a different story it's dirty in fact it's filthy and they also They also presented the Old Testament message. Instead of bringing the message of the Old Testament as a message of faith, they give it as one of works instead. You know, they weren't just stopping from going to heaven themselves, but they were stopping other people who wanted to know God. They were stopping them from knowing God as well. And then we finish with verses 53 and 54, where we see the Pharisees, they just get really angry and mad at jesus because he's unmasked them he's shown people what they are really like and so they wanted jesus dead and they're going to find any way to do that so then having spoken truth to power in chapter 11 we now come to chapter 12 where jesus continues his point. This is this huge crowd has now uh, come along. They've gathered together, thousands of people. They're milling around everywhere, uh, stumbling on each other as well. And maybe because they were all there because they sensed that there was going to be something different here, different teaching from Jesus versus the Pharisees, and maybe even some kind of confrontation. So everyone is there. Jesus starts teaching his disciples and this is likely to be more than just the 12 you know there are other people who are followers of Jesus as well but of course you've got this whole big huge crowd there tightly squeezed together so obviously they can hear what he says as well watch out he says watch out for the hypocrisy of the Pharisees verses 1 to 3 be on your guard don't be like them Because one day, one day, what happens in secret, it'll come out. Everyone will know. The Pharisees said one thing, but they did another. Uh, They looked righteous, but really, on the inside, they were very wicked. Because that's what hypocrisy is, you see. It's living an inconsistent life from what you do versus what you say and it's deliberate deception you know it's not not an accident it's done on purpose to make yourself look different from what you really and truly are and it's wrong it is sin you know we all face this kind of temptation don't we you know, we like to please people because, because we can see people. And I mean, you now they're right in our face like you guys are to me. You're right in my face, aren't you? I can't miss you. It's a lot easier to ignore God because we can't see God. But Jesus here, he reminds us that the God that we can't see is the God who sees absolutely Everything. Not just our actions. He knows our motives. He knows the secret things that we do that no one else sees. The God who sees everything. And when we die, we will come before God himself and he will judge us. Everything that we've done, every thought, every action is going to be open for all to see like a replay on a big screen no secrets nothing hidden God knows it all God knows everything now let me mention here the leaven or the yeast here of the Pharisees and actually the the leaven is the teaching uh, of, the, of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, he says here. You know, and the problem with wrong teaching, which is what they were doing, is that it, it just seeps into every part of the community, you know, like yeast in dough. Maybe during the lockdown you, you tried to uh, cook some bread. I, I did that. I'm sure you, many people uh, did that. And you know, it just takes a very small amount of yeast to transform a large lump of dough you see that that yeast it penetrates into the dough slowly maliciously to change it and when religious leaders do one thing and teach another it eats at the moral life of the whole community Here, you see, Jesus is preparing His disciples, preparing them for persecution. He's preparing them for when the Pharisees are going to lead the people into rejecting and crucifying Jesus Himself. Jesus, the Messiah. The very person that Scripture told them that they were waiting for all this time. And then they'll persecute you, my disciples. He's saying, be ready for this. Now, of course, here in Australia, we, we don't really face very serious persecution at all. Yeah, but sometimes, sometimes we keep quiet about our faith, don't we? We don't want to look foolish in front of other people, maybe, or... Maybe we try to adjust the gospel just just a little bit, just to make it a little bit more palatable to people, make it more acceptable to people perhaps or more appealing to people. We don't want to hurt people. We don't want them to think badly of us. We tell people what they want to hear rather than what they should hear. We don't want to scare them. Hey, you're great. God loves you. God's going to make you healthy, wealthy and wise. And no suffering at all. That's what people would like to hear. I sure would like to hear that too. It's a lot more appealing, that's for sure. But then again, it's not the truth. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 2-6, to 6, it tells us, this just cuts the heart out of the gospel because it's not true but you know i'm not saying that we have to be blunt with people we don't want to offend people when we um, tell them the gospel we need to be uh, sensitive to people uh, when we explain the gospel to them and of course we don't want to you know, tell everybody about all of our private faults we need to be truthful uh, but also confide in the right people about important things in our lives but we don't deliberately mislead people we don't let we don't let them think that we're something we're really not you know we should be loving and truthful You know, in every situation that we face. You know, because God knows everything. He knows your every thought is not hidden from him. Our life should really be, as much as it possibly can be, an open book to God and an open book to people. I have nothing to hide. We should be able to say that. Then we move on. Uh, The second point in verses 4 to 7 is about fearing God and not people in our lives. Now, Jesus isn't saying, don't fear. He's saying, have the right fear. Get the right perspective on life. Now, during the First World War, Uh, the German army, they easily overcame the very small nation of Belgium, who'd been very defiant, but they lost. And this uh, famous cartoon uh, came out in Punch magazine with the Kaiser of Germany saying to King Albert of Belgium, so you see, you've lost everything. And Albert responded, not my soul. Not my soul. You know, what can people do to us? Jesus is saying, all these Pharisees can do to you is they can take away your money, they can even make sure you don't get a job in the community, they can throw you into jail. And yes, maybe even take your life. But when we die, we'll meet God the one who's got the power to send our soul, our being to hell. So get the right perspective. It's only logical in our lives that we should fear God rather than fear people. But of course it's a lot easier to say that than to do it. You know, being scared of people and what they might do to you, it's real. It's hard. Hugh uh, Palmer, who's a former senior minister of All Souls Church in, uh, in London, he said this, "Fear man. Fear of man is a very powerful force in all of us. The only antidote I know of is the fear of God. One or the other will control my life. He's saying, don't don't worry about persecution, because persecution will come, it'll happen. Concentrate on God. Have a right relationship with Him in your life. Because that's what the fear of God actually is. It means the fear of God is actually in the Bible a relationship term. Our relationship with God. Moses tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 12. What does the Lord require of you? But to fear God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Now, to fear God doesn't mean being scared of him. It's about having a proper respect and admiration for who God is. It's it's understanding his greatness. And his power, his his holiness, and his authority over us. And of course, his great love for you and me. It's being in awe of God. We should be in great awe of God, shouldn't we? And it's wanting to obey him. We want to obey him. We fear God without being afraid of him. You know why? Because he loves you very much. He knows and cares for you more than sparrows who who are worth far less than you or me. And yet he loves them and takes care of them. You know, we're born, uh, I'm told, with about 100,000 hair follicles. Uh, Have you ever counted yours? I'm not sure that you have. Uh, Maybe some of you ladies have. You seem to look after them a lot better than the men. Do you take tabs on your hair? Well, actually, God does. You know, even those things about ourselves that we're unconscious about, God knows. He knows you intimately. He knows you totally. He knows you completely. Better than you know yourself. He loves you more than you could ever be loved. You're never forgotten by God. And he loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. You see, Jesus blocks the way to hell. He doesn't want us to go there. So much so, so that he was willing to pay with his own life. Die so that you don't have to go there. That's how precious you are to God. That's how precious that person sitting next to you is to God. That's how precious that person that you don't like, your neighbour, your enemy, that's how precious each person is to God. Now, The final section is verses 8 to 12. And Jesus is telling us here, fear not, stand with Jesus no matter what. He says, everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before the angels of God. That is, before God himself. Everyone who willingly and publicly declares that they belong to Jesus. Everyone who says, I follow Jesus, I'm part of Jesus' team, I identify with Him. And you know, it's not just about saying the words, it's not just about getting baptized, but it's living that life. That's how I live my life, trusting and acknowledging Jesus in everything that I do and to deny Him is to reject all of that, refuse to follow him as Lord of your life. You know, we have to stand with Jesus in a culture that doesn't like him, doesn't want him, rejects him because we know that on that last day, when every person will be judged openly and and truthfully and, and justly by God, there you will stand and Jesus will come up to you. He will walk to your side and then he'll place his hand on your shoulder and he'll say, You belong to me. You belong to me. You belong to me. That's what we are living our lives for. So that one day, Jesus will place his hand on us and say, You belong. You belong to me. Then, as it moves on into verse 10, now, verse 10 is a bit of a a tough verse uh, to understand. It's uh, referred to as the unpardonable sin. And uh, an awful lot's been written about this. Uh, I've just got a few moments that I can speak with you about it. But I think here, certainly in this passage, Jesus is most likely referring to people like the Pharisees. Who have seen his miracles. They've heard his teaching. Uh, Some have even, of course, taught God's word uh, themselves and and possibly some of them have performed miracles even by the hand of the Holy Spirit. Yet in Luke 11.15, they said that Jesus' miracles were a work of the devil. They're continuously rejecting the work of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is telling them who Jesus is, that he's the Messiah. You know, their hearts are hardened. They'll never repent. They don't want to. It's their choice. Now, one example, I think, would be Judas Iscariot, the Apostle Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Jesus, uh, was an example of this. Then it moves on into verses 11 and 12, and it says here that the Holy Spirit will teach you what to do to say when you go through persecution not if you go through persecution but when you go through persecution when they say to you renounce Jesus or you're dead don't even start to worry about what it is that you're going to say because the Holy Spirit will give you the words at that moment. And not necessarily words that are going to save your life, but rather words that are going to honour God. I remember hearing a story about an American missionary who uh, went to China. It was uh, at the beginning of the period when China was opening up. I think it was around the the early 80s, and he went uh, to this really big underground church. It was uh, huge, apparently, and, and they had this big, Service, you know, really out there, vibrant. Then in the middle of the service, this old guy just shuffles out to the microphone. And uh, he starts talking in a really, really soft voice. You could barely hear him. And everyone became silent. And everyone listened to him. And then he shuffles off, and the service goes on as per normal. And then after the service, uh, the American missionary asked uh, asked his friend, "You know, what was that old guy all about? I mean, what what did that have to do with the service?" Of course, he didn't understand Mandarin. And he told him, "He's that man is an old pastor who, during the revolution, was imprisoned." And tortured for a long, long time for his faith. He suffered much for Jesus. And he never denied him. He was a deeply scarred man in his body. But not in his soul. You see, this man had a deep relationship with God. And everyone in the community respected him. You know, what would I do? What would you do? If you were persecuted, you know, would I confess Jesus or would I deny him? If my life was on the line, would I fear men or would I fear God? You know, when you've got a relationship with Jesus, when you know him very, very deeply. And I mean know him. Not just that you pray and and read the Bible, but you communicate intimately with Jesus. You know what he is like. He's your friend. He influences you. He, He changes your character when you spend time with him. You love to be with him. Makes me think of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. While he was being stoned to death, he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Wow. Wow. Fear of men has nothing compared to that, does it? To see Jesus, at the right hand of God. And Why not take a moment right now to ponder that. How do I want to live? You know, being afraid of people, what they think of me, what they say about me, or do I want the fear of God to control my life? knowing that he cares for me, that he loves me, and he's got heaven in mind for me. Choose today whom you will fear. To fear God is always the wise thing to do. Then you will live a life of real joy, no matter what the circumstances around you. Let's pray. Father, help us to change our thinking and help us to fear you and and not to fear people. Help us to be people who are uh, looking beyond this life to the final day before your throne. We want your approval, not the approval of people around us. And today and every day, help us to acknowledge that you are our friend. Help us to acknowledge that to our colleagues and loved ones, to people who we meet on the road of everyday life. And help us to be proud to acknowledge Jesus to others, no matter matter what it costs us. Uh, Be with us and forgive us when we fail as we do so very often and And please give us the boldness to hold you up to others in our journey of life. In Jesus' name, amen.